0: This is the Stories of Asia podcast, sharing deep insights on career and personal development through stories from people all over Asia. In today's episode, we continue the conversation during the Tell Your Story Inspire Journey workshop. Keep listening for actionable tips on how to build your personal brand through storytelling in your career.
1: Are there any challenges for you specifically when it comes to building your personal brand and maybe anything that you can share with us in terms of overcoming it from a mindset, from an actual journey perspective?
2: Okay, first of all, I'm 65 years old.
1: Really? You're serious? <laughs> oh, so,
2: You know, I, I'm dealing with all, And I, my background was in theater and radio. So my brand was built through my work. I had, a re- I, I say this again with humble arrogance, I had a reputation. In fact, I'll tell you a quick little story. I was, uh, I joined the American Chamber here at one point when I was just starting my uh, different form of my entertainment business. And one of the guys there was a guy who was had, was opening Disney here. And uh, he said to me after one of these Ancham meetings, he says, you know, you've got quite a reputation in town. And I said, Really, and he said, "You have a reputation for being very good and very expensive. Don't change either one of those." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Okay, <laughs> that's a nice thing to hear from Mr. Disney." And you know that. So that that was uh, that preceded me, and I think I think what he was talking about was professionalism. And I, I, you know, I took pride in my work. I think I was blessed with a certain degree of talent. You know, in in the areas that I worked in, radio and voice work and the column and all of that stuff, there has to be some creative talent at the heart of this. But it's also discipline and suiting up and showing up and getting the job done efficiently so that you're not wasting other people's time. Then you can charge what you want to (laughs) charge. which was, you know, kind of the way that that went. So I think in terms of personal brand and the internet and all of this, look, I am learning from Sam. Well, Sam Neo, but also my Sam, my son, you know, because this is a whole nother uh, arena. So I'm, I'm very interested in hearing what Kavita has to say about this because, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old school, uh, uh, you know, Broadway baby. So I, I, I'm, I'm very keen to hear what you have to say, Kavita.
0: Well, I'm flattered that you think that I'm young enough to be one of those who is uh, building my brand on social media. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, it's still very much a journey for me, but i uh, looking forward to learning also from people like Sam and my colleagues. Um, in terms of, so from a slightly different perspective then, in terms of let's take the, the company that I work for at the moment, Diashio, um absolutely love working in, um, um, here and how have I built my personal brand or my credibility and my reputation here? This terminology was re- is relatively new for me, Sam. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I hadn't necessarily heard of personal brand branding and the relevance and the importance of this. Um, you know, and, and back then we were more talking about what is it that you want to be known for? What is it that if I ask, you know, your th- previous three bosses or if I ask your leadership team or if I ask five people in Diageo, uh, what is it that they will say that you stand for and what you're about? Um, what is it that they can come to you for and they know that you will deliver? And so um, it's through it's through cons- it's not an overnight you know success story as you would say, Sam. It takes years of commitment, consistency, and hard work and learning, being humble enough uh, to know when sometimes you get it wrong. Um, and taking on board those learnings, mm-hmm. coming from a background of being in a non-traditional world myself, especially when I first started working in the alcohol industry, for sure you did not see females, even in the UK, in a, in a, in a developed market, in the alcohol industry, and for sure you did not see women who looked like me from an ethnic minority. And so I get, um, as, I, as, I, w- as I progressed through my career and I went on to live and work in other countries, from a cultural perspective, I used to get a lot of questions such as, you know, from partners as well, uh, from colleagues sometimes. Oh, um, so you traveled here by yourself. You know, for example, when I, when I started traveling to India on business, oh, you, so you traveled here by yourself. How did you arrive from the hotel to the meeting today? How, you know, how did you get a, how did you get from the airport? And does your husband allow you to work? Does your husband mind that you work in the career that you do that takes you, you know, uh, on trips away from your home, et cetera? What do your parents say, being an Indian? And, you know, uh, I realised quite quickly that those questions weren't coming from a point of, um, uh, you know, judgement. They were coming from a point of intrigue because you don't see many females in those roles. And so what I'm known for now is if anybody approaches a colleague to say, you know, um, look... Uh, what we're finding is in more senior levels, you know, director, et cetera, we're finding that at middle management, we, we do have a great gender diversity balance in commercial roles. But, you know, as you get further further along your career, we're finding that we're, that, that females drop out would you mind speaking to this person? You know, we're considering for the railroad they want to progress, they want to be a GM, and maybe you can share a story. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, that's where a lot of my mentoring and coaching has been focused, because I've got live examples of how you can make it work. Some days it will work, and some days, and I, you know, and I share that, um, sh- sh- be as transparent as I possibly can with that. So that's what I will know for. And there's other things as well. But I think if Uh, very relevant on the topic of you know women choosing to challenge and the conversation that we're having today that's the reputation that I've built not always intentionally either um, but that's what I'm known for uh, in terms of my mentoring work at the moment
1: so the topic of mentoring Teresa anything to add on I I think since you're on the topic of coaching mentoring anything to add on to this
2: well, I, you know, I, I just love what you're saying about, you know, sort of stepping outside of your comfort zone and, and not feeling like you have to be confined into a, a certain role. I, I was just, I often talked about people going outside of their comfort zone and acting as if, in terms of their uh, ability to, to d- demonstrate confidence, for example, or uh, respond differently than what they they naturally would to a situation. And I I think in terms of it as being like a, a, a painter's palette, you know, I've got this colorful painting behind me, and that we tend to, you know, always go to the same reactions. Same thing comes up. We give the same reaction. And for me, the beauty of, of incorporating theater into this work is to encourage people to try some different colors, try some different ways of being, some different ways of behaving in a in a safe atmosphere when you're in a coaching relationship or if you're in a training um, uh, situation so that you can, you can experiment with things that are outside of your comfort zone. I really liked what you were saying, Kavita, about, you know, this curiosity. That people had not coming from a standpoint of being judgmental, but really being uh, curious and interested to know what, what this, this unusual, what they saw as an unusual role for a woman um, was like for you. And I think what a wonderful legacy that this has now informed the way that you want to bring women into uh, a broader um, palette of um, career opportunities. That's just great. So can turn,
1: um Teresa, just now both of you mentioned quite a fair bit in terms of, you know, um, the good work that you've done, right? Showcases on its own, and that's how you kind of grow your career, your message yourself. I think a lot of people, especially within the Asia context itself, what happens is most of them work really hard. A lot of good work happens, but they, they kind of lack the ability or confidence, right? To kind of articulate that value. And very often, a lot of opportunities are lost because of that inability or inertia to show that value. Itself. So well, what's your take around that? How do you encourage others to step up or how can they start sharing their message while not bragging or showing off or self-promoting in that sense? Well, what do you think about this?
2: Well, I'll jump in here and say that, you know, first off, it's, it goes back to what I was saying before about examining, having an honest examination of the qualities that you bring, That have been your successes and failures and what you've learned so that you can talk about qualities and how they have impacted the business it's easier for many people to talk about that than it is to say i'm great at this or i'm I'm super good at that um that would be that would be one thing that stands out to me okay kavita any thoughts
0: i mean i think in the you know interest of inclusivity everybody will do it in their own way in their own style And, you know, there's not a copy paste model. What works for me uh, because of the traits, my background, et cetera, may not work culturally for somebody else. Mm. And so, you know, I think it's about baby steps, even just uh, sharing your story with, you know, a couple a a couple of people, as I said, who you trust and really building it from there. But I would say also to the leaders, you know, uh, on this workshop today provide the platforms for those opportunities as well. You know, I've been, um, you know, the, the mentors and the line managers that I've had um, through sharing my story, et cetera, recognize that this is not something that I'm naturally comfortable with. I'm a salesperson. Yes, tell me to go and talk about Johnny Walker all day long. Ask me to talk about my purpose or ask me a question about that. And, you know, I've, I've, I would like to think I've evolved a little bit since then. And no, and so, you know, they 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 recognize that and I'm so grateful for that. They recognize the potential that I could possibly have, but it was about creating those platforms for me. Um, And I'll I'll give you a live example of this. Um, Many years ago in Diageo, when I was based in Dubai, um, uh, uh, the MD that I used to work for um, had invited our CEO over to to meet a customer. And, um, you know, because they were meeting the customer, the bulk of his time there was taking up doing, uh, you know, get, get having a business review, etc. And however, he still carved out, tw- it was just 20 minutes, but he still carved out 20 minutes for me to meet with the CEO and present the business that I manage and my team. And um you know i'll forever be because the the prep that you would put into that in terms of storytelling etc um really provided me with you know better opportunities in the future as well and so i would say provide the platforms you know to the leaders to unlock some of that if you see somebody with potential um and and that's what's really worked well for me as well sam
2: Okay, cool. I'm going to jump in here and just say that, you know, I've, uh, a lot of my work as a coach is about helping leaders understand what theater directors about know about getting the best out of talent. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that comes to mind is um, this idea of um, praising that which is praiseworthy and praising it generously. That's a quote from theater director, William Ball. And I think it's a beautiful quote about leadership. It's not about praising things that aren't worthy of praise, but finding ways to appreciate and appreciate in a generous fashion, um, the good work that people are doing. And for some leaders, this comes quite naturally. And from some of the leaders I work with, they have to learn. (laughs) They have to act as if, until they're able to do it naturally.
1: Okay, I think we have a couple of questions in the chat box. Let me just take them quickly. So I think Dio, Dio Jins, I hope I pronounced the name properly. Um, Theresa, the question is to you. For years in Hong Kong, that is something. Please talk a little bit about the language challenges while starting up, starting it up to this day. So maybe a bit of initial days in Hong Kong. How do you navigate through the, the language? Well,
2: challenges? that's thank you for asking about that. Um, When I first came to Hong Kong, of course, I determined that I was going to become a fluent Cantonese speaker and um, my teachers were going to be my taxi drivers and I got some good basic taxi driver (laughs) Cantonese. (laughs) but you know i'm look i'm a very lazy person and in all of the jobs that i had although i was working with primarily locals we were always working in english at the radio stations and you know in the recording studio and all of that so my son really saves my face because uh, although it's it, it, he grew up here he went to an english schools foundation but he is fluent in mandarin so at least i can say i I'm an idiot and don't speak anything but English, and I kind of struggle with that sometimes, but my son can speak Mandarin, and my experience in Hong Kong has been a magical one. I've had tremendous opportunities, and I love this place, and um, yeah, it's home to me after 40, almost 40 years. It's definitely home for me. Cool,
1: cool. Jonathan has a question for Kavita. So alcohol is perceived to be a male-dominated business. Is it harder for women leaders to cut through? What's your take on that, Kavita? Um,
0: I'll give you another live, live example. So I've been working in the alcohol industry for nearly 15 years, just over 14. And until 18 months ago, um, I'd never had a female boss. Um, and in the last 18 months, I've had two, um, which is just You know, and and there's many stories like mine, you know, I've got many friends who are in the industry as well. So that just shows you whilst there's no, there's, you know, it's not perfect, um, you know, especially if you look at the industry in more senior uh, role. Um, But there's 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 absolutely progress. And I think as Diageo, we're very much leading that. Um, And and some other examples to to share with you as well. When I first started working in the alcohol industry, I was the only female, believe it or not. I I, I started, my background is from from beer. So I started working for a brewer in the UK. And um, we used to entertain a lot at rugby, football, um, cricket, and um, because of the sporting platforms as well. And so during that time, all of my external base as well were, were, were male. And so I used, I, you know, I remember holding down conversations for anything other than work was harder to cut through because you know, you were, you were not included in everything. And, you know, I remember when I was going to my first rugby match, I mean, I ha- I grew up with a brother and a cousin. I'm a genuinely interested in football, but not so much cricket and, you know, rugby. I, I remember watching a couple of matches before, you know, going to this because I needed something else to, to connect with my external network and partner, my partners who I was going to be spending three hours at a match with. So yes, I believe it, 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 w- I believe when I first started, it was definitely harder, but I think the industry has made great progress.
1: So a follow-up question quickly here then, right? So uh, I'll just quickly read the question. With all your background story at senior leadership level, building a strong behaviour and baggage to pro- progress to the ladder inside Diageo, now what do you think are challenges for new people who are just after that journey, being also a member of a minority and not represented on the senior leadership level? I think it's pretty much what you shared, but anything to add on to that?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really relevant point. So, um, you know, in certain cultures and certainly in mine, Sam, when I first started working out, um, you know, my mum doesn't drink. Like, She'll have the odd glass of wine now. But, you know, women in my family um, don't drink. It's culturally not okay Mm. and also not have been exposed. And so when I first started working, and and I've also worked in the Middle East, I mean, uh, also where alcohol is not widely accepted, um, and so when I first started working in India, um my team was um, you know, fully male. Um, I was approached by an internal uh, candidate um, because she was aware that I was uh, you know hiring for some commercial roles. And you know one of the f- one of the first um, questions that she asked me is me being in a supply chain role where I'm full-time office based in in the alcohol industry is okay and acceptable with my family. However, um I'm for this role I would be relocating and it's a customer facing role can you share your experiences with me of how you manage this with your family Mm. you know how is it going to be am I going to be expected to drink when we go out am I going to be expected to be working late at night etc and this is an off trade role so no necessarily and you know it just and this was only a couple 18 months a couple of years ago and it just goes to show you that um, even within the industry, people have these questions when it comes to progression or moving cross functionally. And the questions are very or concerns are very valid. And, and I think that's why it's great to, you know, air that and have the open conversations and maybe link in with somebody um, whose career path, you know, who may be from an ethnic minority like you and may understand your culture um, and so, yeah, and, you know, and she, she, she's, uh, she's now enrolled and um, it, it's been a couple of years and performing very well. Um, and, you know, um, and she, she doesn't drink and there's absolutely no pressure to do that, I believe. Many years ago, I think it was different when I first started out in the UK.
1: So actually, it's a very nice lead into the next question for Teresa. So Jonathan is asking, what's the one tip you would give to an introvert to ensure their voice can be heard without them being so uncomfortable. They fluff the lines. So I think it's kind of enticing quite nicely, actually.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's I, I, going back a ways, I used to describe people sometimes this way. I would say there are hot people and there are cool people. And it's hot to be hot. And it's cool to be cool. And hot people have that sort of driving energy. I am like a thousand and one degrees of that kind of energy. But then there are people that we would classify perhaps as more introvert. and, And they lean back. And they're cool. And people perform because they want to please them in terms of a leadership role. And I think it's to be able to own that introversion, to be able to own that quiet strength, and to realize that you that you know confidence and extroversion are not linked necessarily. You know, um, I think it's much more more important for you to settle yourself and 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 develop a clear structure for getting your point across. I think that's what can happen for most people, extrovert or introvert, mm-hmm. that when they're in the spotlight the mind goes blank and they, or they're or they off on some tangent and they feel like they can't get the structure of what they wanted to say across. One of the things, one of the tools that I like to use is a storytelling tool that is a sort of first, then finally, you know, if you can go through chronological order and say, and, and just do three sentences and say to the person, if you'd like me to go into more detail, I can go into detail later, but at the beginning of my career, blah, 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 Within the last five years, I've da-da-da-da-da, and today I'm, I'm interested in doing blah, 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 right? So if you've got that nice, succinct little story in mind, don't worry about being the most dramatic person in the room. Just own that, that, that cool confidence, I would say.
1: Oh, I like the first, then finally concept. I mean, it's a simple framework, but it guides you through. In particular, when you, you're panicking, when your mind goes blank, having nice. a framework in mind, it helps a lot, definitely. You can slowly fill in the blanks, I guess. That, that helps a lot. So thanks a lot. I think there's a question from Claudia, which is quite interesting to both of you. Maybe starting from Kavita, right? So who inspires you the most outside of your family and why?
0: Outside of my family, Sam, I would have to say my friend uh, circle. I'm... You know, it's uh, truly amazing the 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 females that I've um, came come across in um, you know my personal and work life. A lot of colleagues that I've met along the way are actually now some of my bestest friends. Uh, we've been to each other's weddings. You know, I'm guardian to to, to one girl's kids, etc. And it's these women. In you know, it's the untold stories, the ones which your nearest would know about. To give you some examples, you know, one of my bestest friends, she lost um, her husband when her little girl was only three months old Mm. and in a foreign country, uh, you know, because uh, this was in the Middle East. And, you know, her little girl is now just celebrated her eighth birthday and she's gone from just surviving to thriving. She's now working two jobs and she's uh, started her own business a few years ago. Mm. You know, another friend in the UK who is single-handedly bringing up her three triplet girls um, uh, because she's a single mother now. And, you know, when they were only, I think, two or three when she became a single mother, since then she's gained a degree and a master's in psychology. Um, You know, another friend who, despite having had very bad covid very, very recently um, and been hospitalized. Um, she's a frontliner medic for the NHS in the UK, she's now running vaccine centers. And so and I've got many like that. And, you know, and I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's uh, these ladies that I find most inspiring. Of course, there are many in the more famous public domain, celebs, etc, you know, and they're known for many first, but it's the women in my everyday life. I'll give you another example. My I, I started my career off at Mars I'm still, I'm still really good friends with uh, five girls there, and um, one, you know, they're they're all around the world now as am I, But one of them must have seen my, uh, seen the LinkedIn post for today's um, workshop, Sam. And first thing this morning, I received messages for for them to say sorry we can't attend. So you know that it's 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 those types of people that I've been very grateful and fortunate to meet along the way. That they inspire me every day, and they're they're my support network as well.
1: So inspiration is everywhere. It doesn't have to be someone famous and we can draw inspirations for everyday people that even we know in that sense. So thanks a lot, Kavita. How about you, Teresa?
2: Oh, I'll keep it very short and say, you know, I think it's the unsung heroes, the people that don't really get the recognition that are just getting up and getting out there and doing the stuff that needs to be done. You know, there's a gal who in my uh, neighborhood, whose job it is, is to gather, you know, cardboard boxes together. And she's got this trolley that's as long as a barge that she goes down the street with. And I think to myself, you know, you don't know how tough other people's lives are, you know, you have a bad day, and you think, oh, gosh, you know, and I was late to my lunch appointment. And you forgetting that there, you know, there are people that are doing hard work every single day to make our lives simpler and, and better so those are the people that really i admire
1: so so we have about you know about seven more minutes or so before we conclude the session maybe i'll have two more questions the first question to both of you is if there's one takeaway from today's session right that you want everyone to just get started you know, the, the call to action basically what would that be maybe starting from kavita for a start
0: I would say be clear on what what it is that you want out of this right um that it took me a while to figure that out and um you know reach out to somebody for some some, some support to help you form that um earlier on this week uh, my boss uh Priti, who's the managing director for Diageo Southeast Asia you know she gave us um some some little insights in terms of her career journey and 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 said something that was very poignant and so true for me at least which is whenever she's been asked to mentor somebody, she's never said no. And as have I, I've never said no. And whenever she, um, um, she's reached out to somebody for help, whether to be coached, to run something by them or to be mentored, nobody also has said no to her. And it can seem, especially in the current environment where we're all working remotely, for from, from my team and I, it's been one year. And so it's so much harder to, you know, you've got to make that extra effort. Um, so I would say that's a really, really great starting point. And in terms, have a think about, you know, what it is that you want to be known for. What is your signature um, and um, a touch and how are you going to bring real flavor uh, to that um, to tell your story?
1: Okay, cool. Teresa?
0: Thank you.
2: I would say a couple of things. One is to go in curious be interested to see if if the, if the job interview is something that is a good fit for you. I, I would also say that the idea of, um, you know, with a personal brand, being honest with yourself, not only about your successes, but also your failures, because lying within both of those are your character. And though that's what, the, what this brand thing to me is really all about is understanding who you are so that you can make use that as a compass guide for your dis, the big decisions that you'll have to make in life and also negotiating the relationships that you are going to face, some of them very difficult to manage in the workplace. So I would say getting honest with yourself about your own strengths and shortcomings is a, a good story, starting point.
1: Okay, so being honest with yourself, what I'm hearing is reaching out, you know, finding your signature and what you really stand for. One final question, right? So this International Women's Day is about how you choose to challenge. So the question to both of you, starting from Teresa, what, what do you choose to challenge this year to help drive equality and opportunity for women? Followed by Kavita.
2: I think it's a, a matter of involving myself in more projects that are are specifically focused on opportunities for women. I think that, you know, for the first part of my career, a lot of it has been spent, uh, listen, 90% of my clients have been men. And so a lot of my time is spent talking to men, but I think um, being determined to get more involved in women's project. In fact, I'm going to be doing some pro bono work for the uh, Women's Foundation on storytelling this weekend over the next few months.
1: Thank you. How about Kavita?
2: You know I was having a conversation
0: with one of my team a few weeks ago and um, and so and I've had many conversations like this and so what I'm going to choose to challenge because I think it's really relevant in the in currently what's happening in the world is choosing to challenge how I as a leader or how, how I can influence the business that I work for to ensure that we keep women in the workplace, There there is a stat and I can't remember the exact percentage, so please excuse me, but it's quite a high number of percentage of women because of the current situation around homeschooling, working from home full time, et cetera, childcare challenges, nurseries not open that have dropped out of the workforce. So how do we as employers and businesses and as an industry ensure that we have all of the right flex working in place? So that women can succeed while still managing their family. And it's not always about children, you know, there's women who have responsibilities for their in-laws, for their parents, et cetera. So when I when I mean we have um, you know, we launched something called Flex Philosophy at Diageo last year. So really unlocking what flex philosophy means. There is not a one size fits all for everybody. So I'm I I I'm going to truly choose to challenge uh, this and make it a, a, a you know a, a better place uh, to work for my team.
1: Thank you, Kavita. Thank you, Teresa. I wish you all success, and I believe all of us after listening to your story just inspired our journey as well. So thank you, you know Diago, for supporting us on this journey itself. With that, we'll speak soon. Take care.
2: Thanks for listening to the Stories of Asia podcast. Be sure to follow
0: us at the handle Stories of Asia Co. That's Stories of Asia C O. Also, don't forget to follow our founder Sam Neil on LinkedIn for more career tips and insights as well. Check out the podcast description for the links. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next episode.